We're over in the 12th chapter of Joshua this evening. We're going to be looking at Joshua 12, 13, and referring to some parts of 14. Not the most exciting of all chapters in the book of Joshua. We hope to give you some reason to have application here for it. But the war is over. The big war is over. There's still a lot of little wars to be, be going on. Still a lot more of, of the um, places to be defeated. But in verse 1 of chapter 12, These are the kings of the land who the children of Israel defeated, and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun, from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon, and all the east Jordan plain. One king was Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead, from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabok, which is the border of the Amorites. Uh, Ammonites, and the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Chenereth as far as the Sea of Ababa, the Salt Sea, the road of Beth Jeshimon, and southward below the slopes of Pixla, and also King Wazag, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants who dwelt in Ashtaroth and at Edrai, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Selah, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Gershuites and the Machathites and over half of Gilead to the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord and the children of Israel, uh, I'm sorry, these Moses, the servant of the Lord and the children of Israel had conquered and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh. So this is the area that is west of the Jordan. This is, if you picture where Jordan is or where Israel is, it's to the west of it. It's on the other side. This is territory. It's kind of like a bonus territory. They had conquered these kings because these kings had come out against them. God wanted these kings gone and they were part of the giants and so forth. And that when they took it, these particular tribes, these two and a half tribes, said, you know, this is pretty good land for how we are. With the kind of uh, possessions we've got. This is great land for us. How about if we just take this? And Moses at first was mad with them because he said, you know, and then, well, you guys are going to stay on this side while the rest of the people going over and conquer. And they said, no, no, no. We'll go over and we'll help conquer, but just let us our inheritance be on this side. And so they went ahead and did that and they they took that part of the, the uh, territory. And these were giant kings. These were really big guys. And we gave you the uh, references if you want to go through when you're home later on and check out the stories of these two kings and how they conquered them. You can go back through there. We gave you the references for that. You can go take a look at that. Now the uh, Sihon, who was, of course, the giant king of the Amorites, he rolled from the river Arnon on the south, which was the border of Moab, to the river of Jabok on the north, which was the boundary of Ammon and Og and Bashan. The giant king Bashan who reigned over the river Jabuk to the south of Mount Hermon on the north. This was, all, as I said, I'll go into these particular ones. Nine and a half tribes are going to inherit the other part. So Manasseh is kind of in half. Manasseh, the half of the tribe, has come over to this side, and half of the tribe goes over to the other side, and then you still have the other uh, remaining ones. So there's two kings on the west side of the Jordan, and there's 31 kings on the east side that they had conquered. Verse 7, these are the kings of the country which Joshua, the children of Israel, conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak and the ascent of Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands of the Jordan plains, in the slopes, in the wilderness, in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one the king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. Just in case you're wondering how many kings are in there. The king of Debir, one. The king of Gadir, one. The king of Horma, one. The king of Arad, one. Now, we're not going to go through all of where all these cities are. You actually can. There's some of them. You know, there's like two or three locations that could be. But some of them, uh, you know, we really don't hear too much about it later on, so I'm not really picking them out. But we'll, we'll pull out a couple of these cities that have at least some significance or some prominence. This last one here, the king of Horma. Horma was a city south of Canaan. This is where Israel was defeated after the rebellion at Kadesh. This is where they came over and where they lost that first battle. 
when the children of Israel said, you're going to wander in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And they said, no, no, we decided we're going to go head on in. And they went on in, and this is where they lost that battle. This king was defeated this time. You think he was thinking, ah, we won last time. <laughs> I don't know if he was thinking that or not, but he surely did not. The king of Libna won. The king of Adullam won. Now, Adullam was a city in Judah. David escaped and made his headquarters in a cave here. Remember the cave of Ad- Adullam? Rehoboam later on would fortify it. The king of Makeda won. The king of Bethel won. Bethel means house of God. It was a city on the border of Benjamin and Ephraim. It was a place where Abraham offered sacrifices. Remember that? It was about 14 miles north of Jerusalem and was originally called Luz. How many remember our city by the name of Luz? This is the same one. Jacob made his vow here. That's over in Genesis chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, and Genesis chapter 31, verse 13. You can also see it in chapter 35, 1 through 16. But Bethel had to be conquered. It had become a center of worship. And after the division of the kingdoms, when they had the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms, do you remember that Jeroboam set up two calves? One cab as far as Dan and the other one in Bethel. Bethel in the south, Dan to the north. And how far is Bethel from Jerusalem? 14 miles north. He's saying, remember what he's Jeroboam said to the children of Israel? It is too much for you to go all the way up to Jerusalem. 14 miles north of Jerusalem, they could go to a place they were not supposed to go instead of the place they were supposed to go. 14 miles. But it, the Word of God tells us that the people of Israel went as far as Dan, which is way up in the northern area. So distance was not really the reason. <laughs> it, was, it was, of course, something else. Uh, verse 17, The king of Tapua won. The king of Hefer won. The, the king of Aphek won. The king of Lasheron won, the king of Medan won, the king of Hazor won, the king of Shimron, Miron won, the king of Akshaf, boy, I can't even say that one, the king of Tanak won, the king of Megiddo won, the king of Kadesh won, the king of Jechneum in Carmel won. Now, Kadesh was a city given to Nephtali and assigned to the Levites. It was also became a city of refuge. The king of Dor in the heights of Dor one, the king of the people of Gilgal won, the king of Tizra won, all the kings, 31. 31 kings they defeated. He starts off chapter 1 this way, or chapter 13 this way in verse 1. Now Joshua was old. How many of y'all like to hear that? <laughs> that so-and-so was old. <laughs> he was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old. I mean, you know you're old if the Lord's telling you you're old, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, but then who's the Lord to talk? You know, that's what I'm wondering about. Who's the Lord to be talking about being old? (laughs) He was around before Joshua was here and he's still around after Joshua. Who's the Lord calling old? (laughs) I don't know if I'm Joshua, I might be coming back. Who are you calling old? (laughs) You are old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. There is the land that yet to re- that this is the land that yet remains all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Gershurites. Gersh- now Joshua it says was old. He lived thirty years after he crossed over the Jordan. He lived thirty years after that. Total one hundred and ten years. Is that old? Now you know you go back a, a couple of generations back in the Old Testament and that wasn't old. That's just getting started. <laughs> Those folks, six, seven, eight, nine hundred years, they lived a long time. They say, man, you're just a spring chicken. But uh, now he's old. This is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all the land of the Gersherites. This is the borders, or all the borders of the Philistines. From Sihor, the border of Egypt, to Ekron, the north part of of, uh, Philistia. Sihor refers to an eastern branch of the Nile near the present-day Suez Canal. You may not uh, be real familiar with what that is. Verse uh, 3, from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron north, which is count, counted as Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, 
the Gittites and the Ekronites, also the Avites. All those guys. Now, most of those Philistine territories you recognize from David and Saul's time of, uh, of Gad and uh, Asher and Ashdod and all the different ones that were there. All of Gershuri. This was, a, this, was, this was an insignificant Armenian kingdom. It wasn't a, a big deal here. It was located east of Bashan and north towards Syria. The people that once occupied the land of Philistia Philistia, but they were driven out by then get this name by the Kaphtorims <laughs> and the Philistines. Uh, some remained in the south of Canaan, but, but uh, perhaps both branches are referred to here as being unconquered. David mar- get the, understand this one. David married the daughter of King the King of Geshur, who became the mother of Absalom and Tamar. It was to Geshur that Absalom fled. When he left, you can see why he would have fled there. Uh, the Avites, these were a branch of the giants who were di- dispossessed by the Kaphtorims. Verse 4, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites and Merah that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Ephek to the border of the Amorites. From the south, all the land of the Canaanites here, the land of the Canaanites from the south going north to Mear near Sidon in Phoenicia and east to Ephek and Assyria. It is true that Joshua defeated all the major cities and all the organized opposition. When they organized opposition, they came down to him. He defeated all that. But there are a whole lot of selections and people in the promised land that were still left. They hadn't either banded together with anybody or come after them in any way, and they hadn't gone after them yet. But God said there would be thorns to test Israel if Israel didn't uh, drive them out. Verse 5, the land of the... Gebalites and all Lebanon toward the sunrise from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon as far as the entrance to Hamath. Now the inhabitants of Gebal in the north, well, uh, it's in the north of Palestine is, is where they are. All the Lebanon east from Baal Gad under Mount Hermon and to the, to the north, all the inha- verse 6, all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon as far as the brook Mishrephroth and all the Sidonians them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance as I have commanded you. So they got all the inhabitants of the hill country here. This is the northern Palestine from Lebanon in, uh, uh, in, in that area. This was actually the 13th prophecy in Joshua. If you uh, go through Dakes, he counts them all up and he is listed as the 13th. It is only partially fulfilled. It will be completely fulfilled in the millennium. It didn't mean it was never supposed to be fulfilled, but Israel did not fulfill it. They did not drive out all of the Sidonians. Now, you'll, you'll notice that a lot of times the Bible comes under criticism because it has some of these prophecies that will later be fulfilled in the millennial reign and people criticize the Bible because, well, they didn't conquer it all. They didn't do what the Lord said. But sometimes some of these promises are conditional on Israel being obedient. That you got to go out there and you got to go get them. I'll go out there before you and drive them out, but you got to go. And they didn't always go. And so the inhabitants were not always taken out. Now, the Sidonians, these are the inhabitants of the region of Phoenicia. But the Sidonians were never expelled. In fact, I'm told that, I didn't go through and look at this, but I'm told that in Ezekiel chapter 48, you will find them. They will actually be there in the same area under Israel in the millennium. They were friends of David and Solomon. They were allies. Verse 7, Now therefore divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and a half-tribe of Manasseh with the other half-tribe, the Reubenites and the Gadites receiving their inheritance which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward as Moses, the servant of Moses, had given them. From Aurora, which is on the bank of the river Arnon and a town that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain of Medeba as far as Dion. Now when we talk about Manasseh, anybody remember where does Manasseh come from? Remember, there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And Joseph had two sons. And so he adopted his two sons. But when they went for the blessing, who got the greater blessing? Who was? Ephraim. Ephraim is the younger son, but got the bigger blessing. Manasseh has two inheritances, one on the west side of the Jordan and one on the east. It is the only tribe to have that. But 
Ephraim was a much more powerful tribe, much more influential. And the northern tribes of Israel, the southern tribes, when they, when they split up, the southern tribe is referred to as Judah. The northern tribes are referred to as Israel, but many times they're referred to as Ephraim. That is how powerful the Ephraim became among the tribes of Israel. It, it bordered on a, the same kind of influence as Judah. And you know how strong Judah's influence was. Where do we leave off that? Verse 9. Uh, verse 10. All the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and as far as the border of the children of Ammon, Gilead, and the border of the Geshemites, the Mechathites, all Mount Hermon, and all the Bashan, as far as Salka, all the kingdom of Og and Bashan, who reigned in Ashtoreth, and Edrai, who remained in the remnant of the giants, for Moses had defeated and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gersherites or the Mechathites, but the Gersherites and the Mechathites dwell among the children of Israel to this day. Now, the, Israel had all kinds of success. They conquered all kinds of people, but they failed to, to kick out these two as long as, along with those of uh, we already mentioned. One tribe of the Gershurites near Philistia was invaded by David in 1 Samuel chapter 27. But most of these people were northwest and east of Palestine near Syria. The others, the Machathites, they were a small Syrian kingdom and that was uh, near the area of Geshur. Now, verse 14 of chapter 13. Typically, when you start reading here, this is boring stuff. Just giving you a little warning ahead of time. Most people look at this as kind of boring stuff. But I want to show you why it's here in the Bible and why it means anything at all to us and why it should mean anything at all to us. Verse 14, Only to the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifice of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance. As he said to them, Verse 15, And Moses had given to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. The territory was from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arman, and the city that is in the midst of the ravine, all the plain of Medeba. Heshbon and all its cities that are in the plain, Dibon, Bamath, Baal, Beth, Baal, Maon, Jehezah, Kedemoth, Mephath, Kerjemoth, or Kerjatham, Sibma, Zareth, Shahar, on the mountain of the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pixla, Beth Jashemeth, and all the cities of the plain, and all the kingdom of the Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses had struck with the princes of Midian, Evai, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, who were princes of Sihon dwelling in the country. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, among those who were killed by them, and the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of the Jordan. There was an inheritance of the children of Reuben, according to their families, the cities, and their villages. Verse 23 again. And the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of the Jordan. This was the inheritance of the children of Reuben, according to their families, their cities, and their villages. Beside these verses, and the ones that go through the rest of 13 and into 14, what you find out, is that each tribe is given an inheritance. Each tribe is giving clear and defined borders. Your northern part is up here. Your southern part is here. Your eastern influence is here. Your western influence is here. We know where one tribe ends and the other tribe picks up. Beside each tribe having a border, so also does the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has a border. It goes from one side, which is on the sea, which is on the area where the Philistines are at, all the way over to what was going to be the Jordan, but since they took the, the extra possession, it actually went beyond that. They had a northern border and they had a southern border. This was all land that was promised to Israel. They have yet to take all of that land. But they will. In the millennial reign, they will have all of that land. Do you remember that when Abraham was walking around and God said, Abraham, lift up your eyes and look to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. Do you remember what he said? He said that all the land 
is yours. As far as you see to the east, as far as you see to the west, as far as you see to the north, and as far as you see to the south, it is all yours. But when we come to the book of Joshua, what we find out is that does not mean it goes on forever. It means there's a stop. There is a place where Israel was to begin and a place where Israel would end. This is your land. I don't know where I was at, but we're someplace and, and um, I, we were, I think if I recall right, we were watching a football game with some people and somebody was doing homework. I don't know who does homework watching football. I don't do homework watching football, but anyway, someone was doing homework watching football. I can do homework watching baseball, but not football. <laughs> football just grabs me, pulls me in too much, you know, there's just too much going on with football. So anyway, we were watching football, and uh, one of the kids who was doing their homework, they had a question on, I don't know, social studies or whatever the, the thing was, and they said, what, what is the definition of a nation? And I don't know what it was, but something rose up on the inside of me and suddenly I was able to dip back into my high school days or else maybe they did a good job teaching me and it actually stuck, whatever it was, a definition for our nations came up. And I said, a definition of a nation, it is, it is I, this is what I said to them, I said, it's a distinct body of land with defined borders under a central government. And doggone if that isn't right. <laughs> I got it right. I'm pretty sure that's, that's pretty much what a, what a nation is. There has to be a central government. It has to be a body of land. And there has to be a defined border. If not, you're not a nation. You need to have those things in order to be able to be a nation. But what you'll see in here is that we're going to spend a whole lot of time defining the borders of each of the 12 tribes of Israel and the entire border of Israel itself which means that their influence was to encompass that area that God defined. It was not to go beyond it, but it was to include it. Very often when we look at things dealing with authority, we too often spend a whole lot of time looking at the far-reaching effects of our authority and spend very little time on its borders. What God does here for a good part of this book of Joshua is he spends time on their borders. What we have to realize is that our authority as Christians, as the authority of Israel, also had. We have boundaries. And when we fail to recognize the boundaries that God has set up for our authority, we fail to recognize the authority. Very often Christians are going around in their life with, with weak and insignificant dealings in authority because they don't recognize the boundaries. Has God set up boundaries on Himself? He has, hasn't He? <laughs> I mean, well, sometimes we don't understand why. Why does God set up boundaries for Himself? Why does God say that there's some things that He won't do? But He won't override our will. Is that not a boundary that He set up? Nobody else could impose it on him. It's something that he had to, had to set up. He gave the lease, as we call it, to Adam, and then Satan stole it from him. Has God just obliterated that boundary? No, he lets that boundary continue on. In order for us to, have, to exercise authority, if within the sphere that God has given us, we must recognize its boundaries. Every authority on this earth has boundaries. Everyone does. How many of y'all watch those police shows on TV? And one of the things that almost always comes up in one episode or another episode, it, yeah, whose territory is it? Do we have jurisdiction here? You don't have jurisdiction. They're always talking about it. you don't have authority here. Your authority stopped over here at the bridge or you're over at the river. You, don't, you can't go any further than that. Uh, remember, did you ever watch that um, that movie? I know we were kids. It was a big, big thing. Uh, the Chase one with uh, Burt Reynolds. Um, Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> that was hysterical. I remember watching that and you see this 
police officer chasing him around, but he's considered himself to be in hot pursuit, and therefore he extends his boundaries because he's in hot pursuit of the thing. Oh, that was a funny movie. But there's, there's jurisdiction, there's boundaries. And in order for that authority to work, we have to work within that boundary. That as soon as someone begins to go outside of their sphere, outside of their borders, working in an area where they're not supposed to, then we run into problems. But Christians sometimes want to go back to Abraham's day. And you know when God says, look to the north, look to the south, as far as you can see, to the east, to the west, it's all yours. It's all yours. And we kind of want to do that. As far as I can see, it's all mine. But God said that to him because he couldn't see the boundaries where he was at. But ever since, God has said there are certain boundaries. It's the land of Canaan. It's this land over here. This is where I'm taking you. This is where I'm putting you. This is, this is where you're going to go. We're even told that Eden had boundaries. God's always setting up boundaries. And we have boundaries. And if we fail to respect the boundaries, we'll fail in the area of authority. If you understand your boundaries, understanding what's in the boundaries is a whole lot easier. All I have to do is understand the boundaries. Am I within the boundaries? Yeah. Oh, then it's my authority. <laughs> That's what we have to do. I put this in your outline. When discussing the blessing and promises of God or His callings, gifts, or power given, how often do we also discuss its boundaries? <coughs> True power knows its boundaries, borders, or limits. True power knows its borders or limits. How often have we created superheroes in the comic book realm and every single one of them has what? Limitations. There are certain things that they cannot do. <laughs> Superman? There's some things he can't do. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Superman, but <laughs> there are some things he cannot do. There are some limitations that, that they have. No matter which ones you pull up, they all have certain limitations. They created the limitations to make the comic kind of fun. Because you had to have those limitations in order to make the, the strength that much better, that much more. Every single one had limitations, some things to do. We have limitations. We need to understand what those limitations are so that we function the way we should within the boundaries. Well, as we already told you, God sets up limits for himself. And so he sets them up for us. If God's going to limit himself, how much more is he going to put limits in there for us? You know, limits just, they, they actually help us. Because now I know, all right, I have authority up to this area. But I don't have authority over here. We've got to know the, the limitations. Knowing the limits is to know with certainty what is given. If I know the limits, then I know for certainty what God has given me. Now let's take a look at some of these limits and all the different areas that we have. The gifts and callings of God. There are limits with each one. They're not all powerful. Each one has its own limitations. Each one has its own area of jurisdiction. When we fail to understand the jurisdiction of the things that he has brought into being, we have problems. If Benjamin shares a border with Judah and Judah gets a little fuzzy about what that border is, <laughs> there's strife. There's conflict. We have the gifts that God has put into the body of Christ. We have pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, such things as, as like this. Each of those gifts has certain limitations. They're limited in where they go. And you've got to understand the limitations in order to get the best out of the gift. Brother Hagin used to tell us about the prophet and the pastor because he sat in both of them. And he told us sitting in both of them, it is impossible for both gifts to reside in the same person. He would teach us that. He said it is not possible. They are... They, they, they conflict with each other. 
They both have a place, but they have limitations. And we have to understand that. A prophet is not a pastor. And a pastor is not a prophet. But how many times do we find people who want to mess with the borders? We got pastors who want to be called prophets. I don't know. I'm taking my advice from somebody who sat in both. I didn't sit in the pro- I don't. I don't desire to either. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm totally content with it. I don't need to go over into the realm of the apostle. I don't need to go over into the realm of the pastor. It's, that's not it. But you see, an apostle has their own limitations and their own areas of, of, of places to, to be. But too many times, we have people that want to mix them up again. We got pastors who call, go by the name of apostle so-and-so. Why? That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds more powerful (laughs) and stuff like that. But an apostle's ministry, if we have Paul to judge it by, and certainly he's a good one to judge it by, he never stayed in one place more than three years. It's the longest he stayed in one place. That was Ephesus. Stayed there three years. Generally, he was there much less. And he would go around, he would visit. What was Paul's ministry? Visiting churches, building churches in one area, setting them up, training up pastors and going on to the next place. That was his role. And the people who answered to him were people that he trained up. Does Peter answer to Paul? No. He didn't do that at all. And and believe me, Paul knew Peter did not answer to him. (laughs) And Paul knew that he didn't answer to Peter. He He was very clear about that. He said, yo, Peter, he's in his own group over there. I'm over here. Peter's of Jerusalem, I'm of Antioch. And he was very clear of that distinction. Who sent him out? Who commissioned him? And who put him underneath underneath that? But we're we're mixing things up. We're not content to stay within the borders that God has set up for different callings. And we want to mess with them. Mix and take something that's, that's not ours. But as God set up distinct borders for Israel, He has set up distinct borders for pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, and so forth. He has set up distinct limitations on even the gifts of the Spirit. What each gift does. This is what the gift of miracles does. This is what the gift of faith does. This is what the tongues and interpretation does. This is what prophecy does. He's listed all out. This is what these these gifts do. And here's their... Their air, their sphere of influence is how they're supposed to go. He's put borders on there. In the church, he said, how many should go on? That's a border. That's a restriction. But how many churches are out there? Not respecting borders. But God has set up borders. He set up restrictions. Because that brings power. If you don't have a defined border, you don't have a nation. You need to have a defined border. It needs to be under a centralized government. God, in our case, with, with these things. Each of us has a particular calling. If we're not called into the fivefold ministry, there's other areas of ministry that we're called to. What we have to understand is that each of those calls to ministry has a border. Understand the border. Flourish in the border. Stop trying to get on the other side. When he gives the example of the body of Christ, does he not say that a hand is a... Doesn't your hand have distinct borders? (laughs) Isn't that what makes up your hand? It has distinct borders. It has a certain... You don't ever have to want... Where did my hand get to today? We know where it is. If you don't, there's a more serious problem than it. Your feet, your head, your neck, they all have borders, areas... Where they, they go, where they belong, and we use that. Paul uses that as the example. Our body as parts of the body of Christ. It said each one of us needs to be content. If you're a hand, be a hand. If you're a foot, be a foot. If you're an eye, be an eye. Be a good eye. <laughs> Stop trying to be a hand. That's getting out of your border. That's getting out of your predefined place to be. Judah was Judah when they stayed within the borders where Judah was supposed to be. God said, Judah, you're going to be here. If Judah ever rose up and said, that's not enough space. We want more. We like, see that place Benjamin's got over there? Kind of like it. 
We want to take it. That's not right. God doesn't. God, God does not like that. No, no, no. You don't need to do that. There's there's distinct borders. Everything that we have that has been given to us by God has a distinct border. What we need to do is to respect the borders, to see where someone else is. When you understand that certain people have certain giftings, call on them. Respect the borders. That's that's not an area that I really walk in. Well, good, go find somebody who does. And enjoy that border. You know, you know, I don't need to come over to your territory. You can come on over here and do this. You know, as far as teaching is concerned, I know I have limitations on what I can teach. I know there are some things that, that I don't... Now, I, I've heard other people teach. I've heard other pastors go at things. And I understand that some pastors and some teachers have greater limitations and don't go into some areas that I do. And, and maybe, you know... Other ones have smaller, bigger, whatever it might be. But I know where I, where I, flunk, I, I, know where I function best. And I try and stay in, in those kind of areas. I've had people who get mad at me because I'm very, very uh, upfront about what areas I don't teach in all that well or all that, all that, all that much. Most of you can tell me what it is because I've mentioned it here a number of times. But you very seldom hear me teach out of the Psalms. I am not a Psalms teacher. I fully realize I am not a Psalms teacher. Once in a while, I dip in there. And I'll pull something out. But I know my, the stronger anointing on me is not on the book of Psalms. I know that Job is not a book I, I, I spend a whole lot of time in. You know, the, the poetry books. Folks, I am not a poet. <laughs> I do not get into the poetry books a whole lot. Proverbs, I'll get into some. Well, well, I don't mind messing with them. There's some wisdom in, in, in those ones. But, um, you know, I, out of that, I think I can count up about four books of the Bible that I don't teach from a whole lot. Now, there's how many books in the Bible? 66. There are 66 books in the Bible. I pretty much stay out of four of them. <laughs> you don't hear me going to Ecclesiastes a whole lot either. <laughs> don't mess with that one. But I, I pretty much stay out of those books and I get into all the other ones. But I'll tell you what, I had people who got mad at me when I would ever tell about, about that. And so, why don't you teach out of those books? I never said they're no good. I just said I'm not the best teacher for that. There's other people that are better at it. But I'll teach out of 62. I know people who teach out of four. <laughs> they teach out of four. They may teach on three topics. Maybe four topics. That's it. There's one guy I know. I used to enjoy him a whole lot. He had, he had four areas that he'd get into, and he could beat the pants off of anybody teaching on those four areas. But that's it. He had nothing else. He had four areas. And he went into being a pastor. He got himself in all kinds of trouble. You can't be a pastor and teach in four areas. You've got to get into something else. That's when somebody got outside their border and went to some other area. You can be a traveling evangelist and teach on four areas and flourish. You can do just fine, but you can't be a pastor and do that. You better have more than four areas. Go, but people get mad at me. Why don't you teach out of those things? And uh, you know, there's there's stuff I've teach on, taught on here. You folks here in this church know more stuff about some areas, and other people are completely ignorant. I think I told you we were just at the the Rama convention, and Brother Doug Jones, he was telling us. He said most people in our circles do not teach on end times. And I said that's a shame because I bet you most of our people in our in our church could teach end time someplace else. You all know it well enough. You've all learned it. And you need to be able to do that. You need to know what, what area, uh, what kind of a sphere. I know what type of teaching that I'm gifted to do. And I stay within those, those areas. I don't sit there and say, oh boy, I wish I could do that. You know, sometimes here, Brother Jesse. Brother Jesse can do some stuff in teaching that I don't do. But I totally thoroughly love listening to Brother Jesse get into an area that I don't mess with. And go for it, Jesse. <laughs> and he does a good job. He does a real good job. Joyce Meyer, she gets into some areas I don't get into. She does a good job with it. That's her area. That's good. Other people probably do just, just as well. But I don't feel like I have to be compelled to get into her area or get into Brother Jesse's area or 
or one of these others. No. You know, the, one of the things that was going around for a while was people would, would go on to, you know, prophecy. We need to start prophesying about some things that are coming up in the future. I don't feel that. There's other people out there who prophesy things about the future. That's all fine. I'd rather just teach you the Word of God, let you, let you discover it on your own. But, you know, some people are called into that. That's, that's not part of my borders. That's not an area that God outlined for my borders. I'm okay with staying within that. I'm all right with going right up to the edge of my border and saying, that's not on my side. <laughs> that's not something I'm going to do. And we need to get comfortable in that. In order to be comfortable, you need to know what limitations God has set up for you. What area has He said, this is your calling. This is what I've called you to do. Because the areas that you are called to do are areas that you have grace to do. And power. And wisdom. And anointing. And you can flourish in those areas. But don't get outside of the borders. Understand there's other people in the body of Christ who can function just fine. I am not an apostle. I have never gone by the term apostle. I know it is not my calling. I've known that from the beginning. It's not a thing that I've ever wondered, well, maybe one day I'll be called into it. No. I am not a traveling teacher. I know I am not called to be a traveling teacher. Maybe the day may come and God may have me go out on occasion and do some teaching, but I know that's not it because I know what the gifting of calling it. I've even had conversations with teachers who come on through. And I said, man, I'd be bored if I was out there on the road teaching. Teaching the same thing over and over and over and over. And they say, man, I'd be scared silly if I had to come up with new stuff all the time. How do you do that? I said, man, how do you do that? Teaching the same thing. <laughs> and see, but you see, we, we know our borders. We know where the areas that we're, we're called to be in. It's all good. It's all fine. Stay with that. What are the borders that God has set up for you. We don't have to need to look at the borders as limitations. I can't go here. I can't go here. What we're doing is God is saying, here is an area, just like he did with Israel. Judah, this is your area. I want you to get into that area and I want you to drive out the inhabitants. Benjamin, this is your area. I want you to get into your area and I want you to drive out the inhabitants. And if other people try and come in to your area, I want you to defend it. I want you to keep them out. They had an area that they were to take care of. You see, if each of the 12 tribes took care of their area, what happened to the nation? The nation functioned. The inhabitants were Israelites. They were not anyone else. When they all did their part, then the whole nation functioned. We each need to know what our borders are. If you have been called to a certain area, find out from the Word of God, what are the limitations of my calling? What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? And know what they are. You see, as, and just in the area of pastoring, we've had people that have gone off in the area of pastoring and gone outside of their borders. And pastors have gotten involved in the lives of people who make up the church and began to tell them who they should marry, what they should spend their money on, how they should spend their money, what job they should have, what car they should buy where they should live, who their friends should be. It's called shepherding. And people try to do this and to control people's lives. It's not what God's called us to do as pastors. I know that's not an area that I'm supposed to take on in your life. But we've got to realize what the borders are. What are the restrictions? What am I supposed to do? There are some people that have fallen. There's, there's one person, I mean, my wife and I both knew him. And he, he fell into some things. And my wife said, you ought to give him a call. I knew he's outside my border. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. He has no reason to listen to me. And he didn't. He had no reason to listen to me. He's got other people that are under him or that are over him. He needs to listen to them. He's not one that's inside my border. He's not someone that's inside that, that area one's supposed to have influence on. I let it go. We got to understand where, where our sphere is. When Jesus would minister to young children, whom did he go through? You all know this one. The parents. Always 
he went through the parents. There is not a single time in the Word of God that Jesus prayed for a young child that he did not go through the parents. Every discussion was with the parents. He never talked once to the child. He's speaking to the parents. He's getting their authority. And because he realized that's the sphere. That's the border. I don't have influence here unless the parents give it to me. I was just listening to somebody and I hadn't even thought about this one before until he was uh, teaching it. But an area of, of borders and stuff. How many of you remember that Jesus, when he prayed for a man who had a, had a problem with his ear? Had a man prayed for, had a problem with his eye? You remember he touched his ear? You remember he touched his eyes? Remember the different Jesus would go over many times that some of the some of them were coming up for prayer, and this person mentioned it says he did that with men, only. Jesus never touched a woman except her hand. I thought, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that one for a while, so I'm still meditating on that, checking on that. But but um, he realized he didn't that he he realized there was a. <laughs> limitation of there. But with the guys, he had no problem. He touched their ears, he touched their eyes, he'd spit on their face, you know, he did all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but never spit on a woman. <laughs> and then nobody wrote it down if he did. They just didn't they do that. But just know where your know where your limitations are. Too many times, folks, we are going after the devil in areas we don't have jurisdiction. And that's why we're coming back a failure. Because the devil knows you don't have any authority out here. And if I don't know my authority where it resides, then I don't know when I get outside and I'm in an area where I, it doesn't. And so I'm on shaky ground all the time. What you need to know is what are your borders? If you are within your borders, you have authority. If you are outside your borders, you don't and therefore don't take it. We told you some of the limitations even in praying. When you pray for an unsaved person, you have full ability to pray for them to be healed, don't you? Word of God shows us we have full authority over that. We can pray for someone to be healed. But you have no jurisdiction and no authority at all. The border has been set up in the area of finances. You cannot pray for an unsaved person's finances as much as you may want to. And that all works until we know somebody. Right? That works fine until I know somebody. Who needs help in their finances? They're close to me. And now we want to kind of move out. I don't, I don't like that border now. I was okay with this border until aunt, uncle, brother, whatever, somebody. Until somebody else was over there and they were over the, top, over the border. I, I need to help them and they're beyond my... I, I'm not sure if I like this border anymore. We want to erase it. No, the borders are there. You'll notice when you go through, and I hope you go through all this. We're not going to take all the time to, to do it. But if you go through and you look at the borders that are set up, these are borders. They're not flags in the ground. They're rivers. They're mountains. They're valleys. <laughs> they're stuff that doesn't move. God gave them borders of things that don't move. The borders don't go anywhere. You may want to push them. You may want to... Extend them a little bit wider. But mm -mm. what are your borders? In order to know that, you need to first off know what your calling are, what your giftings are, what God has put on the inside of you. And then you can study the Word of God to find out what are the limitations. So I make sure I don't step out beyond that limitation. Because inside that, I have authority. But you go from full authority to no authority on the other side. <laughs> There's no gradual, some authority. It's full authority, no authority. Full authority, no authority. Remember that uh, Coca-Cola commercial? I think it was Coca-Cola who did One of the sodas, anyway, was doing it. And they got the two border agents, border guards. You know, and they're marching, and they got the line. And they got thirsty. And one had a, I don't know, a Coke. I'm going to say Coke because I like that better. And, and the other one, he wanted to share it with them, but they can't cross the border. They're guarding the border. They can't cross the border. So he puts it down on the sand and he draws the border line around it. Did you, you never saw that one? 
he draws the borderline around it so the other guy can come on that side and he can grab hold of it. And then once he got hold of it, they re- redrew the line. <laughs> they, they, uh, they fixed that up there because they, they, they respected the borders. <laughs> Respect the borders that God has given you. Know what your calling is. Know what your giftings are. Know what God has entrusted into your care and know that when He has entrusted that in your care, there are borders, there are restrictions to it, but they are not made to you know, tantalize, oh, you can't get there. No. This is, where, this is where you have authority. This is where I want you to mess with. This Benjamin, I want you here. Dan, I need you up here. Dan, you can take this area over here. Neftali, you can do this. Judah, that's your territory. Take it. Reuben, guard it. Half tribe of Manasseh on this side. Half tribe of Manasseh on this side. Ephraim, each one of them, you've got your distinct borders. You've got a chore. You've got a job to do. Don't you be worrying about somebody else in their area. Take care of yours. And if we get the message that's kind of hidden here in this section of Joshua, know what territory you have been given and exercise that authority right up to the border of where God says your jurisdiction stops. And don't be tempted to go over because the devil loves to tempt you to go over your jurisdiction to extend into areas where it doesn't belong so that you fail and your faith becomes weak. But don't let that happen. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to understand our borders, to understand the authority that we've been given. Just as with the children of Israel, there were distinct borders, borders that they could walk out and they could see them. There are borders that we can see. You have made callings in our lives. You have given us giftings, empowerings, areas of authority. But we have those authorities because we are under authority. And the over-authority has said, this is your area of jurisdiction. This is what you need to do. Don't mix borders. Don't step into another's territory. I need you to do this. Father, we can find great satisfaction in doing what we are called to do. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.